You're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Good Saturday, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and I'm, man, I love it when we get deeper in the spring and closer to summer. It just brings back so much memories with the longer days. I love the sun setting later at night. Sweet tea, sunsets on the porch. And you remember, you know, one thing I remember from my childhood is lightning bugs in the trees. And when I think of summers in Knoxville, I remember as a kid that I would run around with a jar and try to capture those lightning bugs and put them in a jar. Well, our guest today took her childhood fascination and turned it into a decades-long career as a researcher, an author, and an expert. Linda, excuse me, Lynn Faust is a consultant for Firefly Studies with state agencies, universities, museums, nature centers, and natural parks across the U.S., as well as media, film, and print outlets, including BBC Nature, the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, and NPR. She has presented all over the world on the topic of fireflies and published numerous scientific papers and field guides. And, of course, we have a big event coming up here shortly that really uh, you can only see, my understanding, a few places in the world, including the East Tennessee and Western North Carolina area. So please join me in welcoming Lynn to the show. Good good afternoon, Lynn. Good afternoon. Good to uh, hear your voice, and uh, we'll talk about lightning bugs. You just Let's asked, talk about lightning bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. So you are affectionately known, Lynn, and, and just to clarify, Lynn, we air both 9 o'clock Saturday morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but um, you're affectionately known as the lightning bug lady. So how did your fascination and study of lightning, like, what birthed your fascination with lightning bugs? Well, that's a longer story than your your show probably but in short i have i've always loved being outside i'm miserable inside i'm miserable in cities and so i've always loved the natural world and um so like any east tennessee child uh you and me both we grew up chasing fireflies in our backyard um and i'm i'm wait let me intervene here i'm gonna probably use the word firefly more than you are comfortable with but it has one last thing about that in a minute yeah yeah it, it, it has one last syllable, and I'm going to be saying it a lot, but <laughs> I like lightning bug the best, but it takes too much time to say. But anyway, um, I grew up loving them. We were lucky enough to have a cabin at Elkmont in the Great Smoky Mountains oh, wow. uh, National Park. Um, both my husband's family and mine had ties back to before it was a park up there in Elkmont. So in the summers, and well, in the summers, we would enjoy sitting on our porch cabin in Elkmont 
and we would watch what my mother-in-law, the late Emily Faust, would call the light show. So she was actually the first one to notice that what we were seeing up there in the Smokies was different from what we would see down here in the valley. And um, we lost our cabin in 92. That's a different story also. But anytime you have anything you love and you know in advance you're going to lose it, you start to mourn and you start noticing things. And uh, so we realized the final few years, it's like, wow, we won't, we won't see these lightning bugs that flash together once we leave the cabin because we don't have these in the valley. And uh, so long story short, I contacted the park, UT, and later research scientists um, just trying to find out more about our lightning bugs at Elkmont. And from that, I became part of a research team for the next 18 years and then many other projects since that time. And I went from that one species to my specialty is the eastern half of the U.S. and Canada. And so it just sort of, I don't know, it took over. You know, it went from sort of a hobby or an interest to um, eating me alive. So is that enough background? I completely get that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've talked on this radio program about since the pandemic, you know, we've had one of the blessings of the pandemic is we've slowed down. A lot of us have slowed down, and um, at least last year. And I have a new mm -hmm. hobby. My new hobby is barbecue and smoking. And so I completely oh, get it where I'll, you just become. I'll come super. to your house. Well, <laughs> you, you should because I love to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so is there a difference, Lynn, between a fire, lightning bug and a firefly, or are those just the same thing? It is more of a regional difference. There is no difference, to answer your question. In North America, there's zero difference. Um, I was 38 years old before I heard the term firefly. I was a good southern Tennessean, and lightning bug was the only thing I knew. And the two scientists that I worked with for those 18 years were from the north, and they came down talking about fireflies. And I remember the, one of the first nights, I thought, what? What are they talking about? Do they mean lightning bugs? <laughs> and uh, so, but being with them gradually and because it's easier to say, um, I did sort of switch, but they are the same thing. And I love hearing lightning bug used still. And I'm kind of sad because I even hear children of East Tennessee now saying firefly because they've kind of become a, a, you know, a popular insect and they're sort of trendy and on social media and TV and all. They're usually called fireflies, but if, but I want people to keep using the term lightning bug. I like that term. Yeah, that was always the way I referred to them growing up. Yeah. Now, you've spent yeah. decades studying this, so their behaviors, their species, because there are different species, I understand. So are there any things, as you were studying all this and, and continue to today, are there any things that surprised you in your studies? I'm surprised every single day. You know, it's there's so much we don't understand and don't know. And um, at the beginning, like most people, I think, most I've run across, I thought there was one kind of lightning bug. You know, I just thought, oh, well, they're all the same thing. Well, right here in East Tennessee, we have a minimum of 26 species. And we have wonderfully diverse habitat with the Smokies and the rivers and ponds and all that. Um, and so there's way more than one type of firefly. And each uh, species, um, I, I'm out in Hardin Valley, 
and we luckily still have woods and all of that. We have 16 species right here, and we've got three active right now. So, you know, on April 7th, we have three adult firefly species already active, doing their thing, finding a mate and laying their eggs. Um, so now I've forgotten the question, but uh, yeah, there's more than one. And so then once I realized there was more than one species, I branched out from the Photinus carolinus, which is the smoky synchronous, and I got curious, well, what are the other ones? And what I've learned, if any of your listeners uh, like wildflowers or trees or birds, they're, they're like any of those things, each one has their own story. Each species has their own habitat, their time of appearance, their way of flashing to find a mate because it is a courtship thing in adults. And, um, and so each one had a story that wasn't known. And that fascinated me that every, you know, you might know these um, academic studies of the bacteria in the gut of a certain firefly, but then no one knew where to find them or go out and recognize them in the field. And so th that was what attracted me. We need to learn about the lives of each species. They are a canary in a coal mine. Um, actually, I think we all are, but they are an indicator. When they disappear, something bad happened to the habitat. But if we don't understand their particular life for that one species, how in the world can we help conserve them? You know, and so that's what I've spent the last 30 years uh, doing a species at a time, just trying to figure out why they are where they are and why do they do what they do even, and how to help them survive. I never even considered that they are different species at different times of the year. Um, yeah. Now, I'll they tell have, you what, they a have a later. predictable sequence. Yeah, when we get into yeah. our next segment, I'm going to get into the light show because it's just okay. – I've not been. I have – there's a guy in my office, he, Jim Kresge. He's a financial advisor, certified income specialist, and uh, he's been, and he just talks about – I was talking about that with him today, about how awe-inspiring it is. And is, but, is but before we get to that – Is he a he photographer? Is. Yes, ma'am. Oh, my sure gosh. Is. Somebody sent me – he took a picture at Elkmont last year. I, I thought I recognized it. I think that's his name. He took a great picture. Anyway, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. He really, <laughs> so we talk about our new hobbies and how we get all into it. So he, for several years now, is super into photography and night photography particularly mm -hmm. and, and astronomy yeah. and things like that. It's pretty amazing. But yeah. so, so firefly larvae can survive, my understanding, for over a year, if not more, depending on the species, underground before they hatch into bugs, which is pretty amazing. But right. is, is this unique and to fireflies, or do most in insects hang out underground for real long periods of time? Well, this will bring back nightmares of high school biology, but a firefly <laughs> or a lightning bug is a it's a beetle, and they all beetles have complete metamorphosis, and that means they're an egg, then they're a larvae, then they're a pupae, then they're an adult. And they all have to go through those four stages that each stage looks totally different than the other. To be a lightning bug, to qualify to be a lightning bug in the Lampyridae um, family, you have to glow at every stage. Your egg has to glow, your larvae has to glow, your pupae has to glow, and the adult has to have the ability to glow or flash. And um, so... 
the larval stage is the most important, and that's when we're losing populations, not so much when they're up in the trees flashing or flashing over your yard as adults, because that life just lasts two weeks, you know, two to four weeks max, and uh, all they're doing is finding a mate, laying eggs, and dying. But the larval stage is the unseen stage, and that's happening in our yards, in our woodlands, in our parks. And so anything that might harm the larvae, you can wipe out an entire population and never know you did it um, by chemically treating lawns too much, by moving the dirt around, you know, stepping on them. Even in 2016, do you remember the drought we had? It, it was almost of biblical proportions when Gatlinburg burned in the park. Um, sure. That was very hard on larvae because they demand, almost all of them demand to be very moist. So that's sometimes why they're underground because there's more moisture in the dirt than on top of it. Um, and so there's a lot of factors, but it takes them a year to grow up, to kind of eat enough, and they um, they molt. We call it, well, anyway, they shed their skins four or five times. They have to reach a certain size to be able to turn into an adult. And so that's a super um, important stage that we know very little about. And it depends on the type of firefly. Some are underground all the time. They're like a worm almost, and you rarely see them. You see them by accident, where others do hunt on the ground. And one cool one, which is out right now, the adults are, called the spring treetop flashers. Um, everybody go out on a warm night and look in your trees the next two weeks. Uh, their larvae climb up trees and pupate on trees. So I've got several big scientific papers on that because you can actually follow those guys. They're pretty cool. And wow. you can follow them from larvae to pupae to adult. Um, so that's probably more than you wanted to know. But, yes, the larval stage is important, and it lasts about a year in East Tennessee, longer than that when you go further north. We're visiting this morning with Lynn Faust. She is an expert on fireflies, renowned expert uh, all over the world. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about, I want to get into the light show, which is a unique thing in just a few places in the world, and I really want to talk about that. I've not been there. I know it's in Elkmont, also in western North Carolina, I believe. But we're going to talk to Lynn about all mm -hmm. of that. So please stay tuned. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in today. It's More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. A special guest this morning, we have Lynn Faust on. She is a media film and expert really she attend, does things all over the world also it appears on bbc nature the discovery channel national geographic and we're talking about fireflies lightning bugs as many of us knew them growing up as we've learned in the first segment they're largely the same thing so uh lynn let's talk before we get into the light show and this synchronous uh show that they do every year let's First talk, you mm -hmm. mentioned they, so they take a year almost or even longer underground as they develop. And then you mentioned well, they're short, they have a short life above ground. You said about two weeks. 
Now, we have fireflies throughout the summer. So is that just because there are different species of fireflies? Pretty much. One will show up and be replaced several weeks later by the next. Um, By the time you hit late May and June in East Tennessee, you might have 10 species active at the same time. But the firefly you're seeing on May 1st will not be the same one you see in July. Um, It will be another species normally, or a, a few of them seem to have two generations if the summer's really good here. Um, but they live about two to four weeks, and usually you notice each population for about a week period where they peak, the numbers peak in a bell-shaped curve, and that holds true for almost any species. Some go uh, come and go faster than others. But uh, the, the larval stage, which we were talking about earlier, and when you can lose a population and never know it, uh, the late Jim Lloyd, a professor in Florida, said the larvae are eating machines, because they are. They have to eat for their entire life when they're a larvae, where the adults are sex machines. And the only reason the adults are there <laughs> are to find a mate <laughs> and carry on you know, the next generation. Right, so right. they go from eating machine to sex machine. <laughs> well, let's talk about Elkmont and particularly the okay. Smoky Mountains. So. Elkmont is a prime location to what is known to watch what is known as the light show. And the National Correct. Park Service usually holds a lottery to get front row seats for this synchronous firefly event in early June. So it's yeah. so unique, it's like they have a lottery for it. So what's this like? Tell us about this unique experience. Well, <laughs> it's it's Pretty much of a circus now, it's it's become so popular. People literally come from all over the world, and then they compete for the lottery tickets to get a chance, a parking pass. Um, and I think it's the they hold a lottery that sells out usually in less than five seconds. The day they announce it, everyone is sitting at their computer, you know, trying to get a chance. So there might be 30,000 people for 1,200 tickets. And um, so it's very different from the years we had a cabin and we would just sit on our porch and there was no one there. Um, But it's really amazing because it's bringing people back into nature and into the night nature, which is kind of its own little world, um, who normally would be sitting at home watching TV or playing with their smartphone or something. And so, I mean, talk about that experience of like when you were growing um, up and and you didn't have all the – all the people in the commercialism. Yeah. I mean, what was that like? Like, can oh, you describe it at all? <laughs> it's fabulous. It is so beautiful. Uh, the species itself ranges from North Georgia all the way up to New York State, up the Appalachians. But it does seem that our area of Elkmont and uh, some areas over in western North Carolina, that latitude is like the epicenter. You know, you think, well, this is where God first put them because the density is so high. There are thousands of males flying. And uh, in before the um, massive crowds came, although it's still beautiful, you know, if you can get off by yourself and somebody isn't flashing their flashlight in your face, um, it is still just as magical to see it even if you're standing there with other people. But we would sit on our porch, often wrapped in blankets, 
and it would just very quietly start and it it's rhythmic it's a um it's not a continuous synchrony all the males flash for a three second period i'm going to be using averages here it depends on the temperature but for three seconds they'll flash six times real fast all together and then the real synchrony is they all go dark for six seconds and then they start over again for three seconds flashing six seconds dark and it goes like that back and forth and so you get a sense of sound but there is no sound hmm. but it's a pounding rhythmic and it's very frantic while they're flashing and then suddenly it's off and and that throws everybody it's called a discontinuous synchrony or the word syncopated it's a, a rhythm that speeds up slows down speeds up throat slows down so how long but does all that last before relaxing. it shuts off they start about 9:30 in june and on peak nights they will go till midnight if oh, wow. there's not high numbers at the beginning of the bell-shaped curve or the end they'll flash well for at least an hour um but they'll go for 3 hours on peak nights and um the effect is <clears throat> this is why the cabin was so great it is calming and it's peaceful and it makes you want to lay down and go to sleep <laughs> and so in the wonderful days where we had a cabin we'd already be in our pajamas wrapped in our blanket and you'd watch it for 10 or 15 minutes and it makes you whisper and i notice that still even with a thousand people up there people whisper there's something almost sacred about it and as you know when we had the cabin it was like one by one our family members would just drift away and go to bed and um so it was very different then now i'm up there working or filming and i'm busy and then i have to drive back to knoxville at two in the morning and that's not fun anymore at my age um so it's kind of different and i always kind of feel sorry for all the people on the shuttle because they still have to stand in line on the shuttle and get back to gatlinburg and then get in their cars and go wherever they're going right after you've had this relaxing spiritual kind of thing yeah. but um but well, they're, how, they're willing to do it i'm kind of proud of everybody that does it how long like for what period of time in i mean it's pri primarily in early june i mean what's the period of time that well, they're really it, at peak it um it varies every year um and, and this is well this is numbers and you're into money um i use a degree day method which is the accumulated heat degrees of the season and that's a prediction model i work with the park and we try to pick the peak week there's actually only one peak night of the whole year but there are about two or three nights on either side of the peak that are beautiful also they're just not quite as you know quite as many but you really can't tell looking and so i work with the park and i've taught them my method of using degree days and you um can get pretty close you can get pretty close to when the peak night is going to be um but it can vary you know how you have a, a late spring people go oh we're having a late spring or an sure. early spring um that affects the fireflies so we have had them come out and reach peak numbers as early as say may 20th and we've had them peak as late as june 20th but it's all about the accumulated heat and sure. the weather they're called degree days it's an agricultural uh, formula yeah, no, but that anyway makes sense so that the climate would have a big impact on that 
Yes. What, it, what about, uh, and if you get a lot of rainfall or, you know, it gets cold or whatever, that affects them too. But um, Now, what other that. areas in the world can people see this, like at the level that they see it in, in here in the Smoky Mountains in Elkmont in western North Carolina? Well, if people will get out and look, uh, yeah, I have got a number of um, scientific papers, and I've got a book written for regular people, Fireflies, Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs, and I well describe the habitat, the elevation, and the type forest you find them in. Um, a lot of people have paid attention to that, and they go find their own place. And um, and so that's what I recommend people. Again, they're from North Georgia up to New York, so you're you know there's plenty of them out there, but they are in just particular habitats. And um, so. That's that species. There is another species that we have right here in Knoxville, right here at our property, and um, Oak Ridge has a lot of them. And I've even seen them in Sequoia Hills. There's some remnants that have survived, you know, the yards and everything. Um, and they do a synchrony of once a second. And the the epicenter of that species, it's called the snappy sinks or Futurus frontalis. And... Um, the epicenter of those seems to be Mississippi. So when film crews come, if we're not working in the Smokies on our synchronous fireflies up there, I take film crews to Mississippi because for, you'll understand this being in the media, that six seconds of dark I talked about that's so relaxing and so surprising um, is deadly on TV and movies. You can't have the audience <laughs> staring at a black screen for you know, six seconds. Um, and so the Mississippi one, which is also here but in low numbers, not in particularly breathtaking numbers, um, it it flashes nonstop every second. And faster if it's hot, slower if it's cool. Um, so those are the two big ones in North America. They have uh, recently, there's one in Mexico that's very popular, and it has a synchrony, even a third different synchrony than what we have in North America. And then, of course, Asia was the best known, uh, the tropics fireflies. And um, and I've been lucky enough to see all of them except the Mexican species, but I've seen really good footage of the Mexican species. But I've, I've been to Asia. One? And, you know, I knew you were going to ask that. Of course, I'm going to like the Smokies the best. What I noticed, they're all beautiful and they're all different. And I, until yeah. I saw all of them, it's like, how can you have synchrony that's different, but it is. And each, again, it's a courtship signal, and each one has figured out their own way to do it. What I noticed, um, our Smokies fireflies are big and bright. And I'm not saying ours are the best, um, <laughs> but I'm saying they're bigger and brighter than the Asian ones, although the Asians had maybe the most perfect synchrony. Um, and so each one varies. Each one's beautiful, and it's like picking a child. You know, I don't want to pick the favorite one, but I sure like the one that's, you know, right here in the Smokies. We're very lucky. And it, the trick is yeah, finding right backyard, areas of really. high density. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's right so many beautiful species. Yeah, it's right there. And then right here in the valley, literally in your backyard, if you're if you have darkness and don't spray too heavily, we have gorgeous species just right here where you don't even have to get in your car. And uh, they might not be synchronous, but they might look like Christmas lights. Those will be coming in a few weeks up in the trees, and they just sparkle and glitter. And, 
they're so beautiful, and uh, we have one called Cinco de Mayo that comes out the beginning of May that will be coming out soon, and um, they fly over hayfields. And so each one, and they're beautiful to watch. So, you know, you sort of take your pick, um, but we are very lucky where we are situated. We have a whole lot of different things to choose from. We're visiting today with Lynn Faust. She is kind of the preeminent firefly expert, certainly in this area, but even all over the world. And we're talking about the light show and all the different opportunities if we get creative to here in East Tennessee to be able to see some incredible things of nature. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more with her. Uh, also, I'm going to have a dollars and, our dollars and cents segment. What is the most overlooked area in estate planning today? That could cost your heirs more taxes, and I'm not talking about estate taxes. So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thank you for tuning in to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. I'm Jim Brogan, and I think getting outside, especially this time of year, uh, and the fireflies, we're really kind of world famous for the fireflies we have right here in our backyard. And we have a renowned guest with us, Lynn Faust, who's really an, an expert all over the world, and especially here in East Tennessee. And we're talking about the opportunities we have right here in our backyard to just kind of slow down and relax and enjoy nature. Now, before we do get back to Lynn, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Let's talk about the most overlooked area in estate planning today that could result in tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxes to your heirs. And I'm not talking about estate taxes. I'm talking about the unpaid income taxes in your retirement accounts, your IRA, your 401k, your 403b. Remember, it's everything except the Roth. Remember, you haven't paid the income tax on most, if not all, of that money. Well, if you don't pay the income tax and then you pass away, then who's going to pay the income tax? And the answer is it's your kids. You know, if you leave $100 in your IRA, they're going to pay income taxes on $100 when they pull it out. And for many of you listening, it, if it's not the largest asset you own when you, own your, when you add all your retirement accounts together, it's, one of, it's maybe number two behind your house. And it, cre it creates some complication. And then to, to, to add to that, a little over a year ago, Congress passed the SECURE Act. And basically what the SECURE Act does is it, is it says that your heirs, not your spouse, but everyone else, with very rare exceptions, have to take out all of the money within 10 years of your death. And what that means is they have to take it out and be taxed on it. That's what that's about. Hey, let's get all this out. 
so that people have to be taxed on this money where you've kind of got a silent partner and the partner's Uncle Sam. So Uncle Sam wants to get paid, so it has to come out within 10 years. Now, this creates a lot of complications. It creates a lot of complications with tax planning. It also creates a lot of complications with control. You know, you may have an estate where you want some control of how your assets pass to your heirs. In other words, you don't want them just give them everything outright where it's their decision to do with it what they please. Or, or maybe you have kids, you're okay to give it to your kids outright. But if they were to then pass away prematurely, you want protections for the grandkids or maybe someone else. So it's not just your, your immediate heirs. It may be, well, who's going to get it after them? Because if you leave the money directly to your children, they can then do whatever they want with it. They can name new beneficiaries. They can do whatever. So many people do trust planning specifically for these kinds of reasons, to control access or control ultimate distribution of the accounts. And it, again, it may not be your kids. It may be your grandkids or someone else. It may be your kids, but it's somebody in the family tree that you want some control there. The SECURE Act kind of makes all this more complicated because when you have things go to trust from IRA, it, it, it presents some real consequential income tax ramifications. Because if you allow, you know, it, when those monies come out, if you allow them to build up in the IRA, or, or excuse me, if you allow the money to come out of the IRA and build up in the trust, trusts are taxed at enormous tax rates. The, the, the maximum tax rate of 37% with trust, you get there within about twelve or $13,000. If it flows through to the kid, the kid is, is taxed at his or her ordinary income rate. But, the, but you may not want that. So, you know, without getting too technical, it just creates a lot of challenges. And IRA distribution planning is very, very specialized. You know, I know a lot of attorneys in the estate planning attorneys in the Knoxville market. I would say that your typical estate planning attorney is not an expert on IRA distribution planning. Now, the good news is there are plenty of attorneys that are. And in an ideal world, you would be coordinating your IRA distribution planning with your overall financial planning because it is that important. So my advice is... Uh, make sure you're addressing your IRAs and other retirement accounts. Now, I have a guide that I have published, and it's a guide to the SECURE Act. So it's not, it's really kind of a brief overview of what the SECURE Act requires. And you can get that guide at my website. It's a complimentary download. If you'll go to broganfinancial.com, click on Resources, the SECURE Act is on the Resources page. So find out more about retirement account distributions while you're alive, when you pass away, and about naming beneficiaries. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. I'd urge you to go to my website at broganfinancial.com and, and, and check out all of our resources. Now, my last class this spring is coming up this Tuesday night. It's May the 4th and the 11th. 
So it's the next two Tuesday nights. It's at the University of Tennessee at their downtown campus through their adult education. So this is non-credit. It's called Financial Survival for Retirement. I have seven key areas that I address that I think everybody needs to know in retirement or getting close to retirement. You're planning that transition. What do you need to be doing? You know, the plan that gets you to retirement is not the plan that's going to get you through retirement. So focus specifically on the transition and then being successful in retirement. You can find out more information at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. You can download a syllabus. You can also click to register. Again, that's the next two Tuesdays, May the 4th and the 11th, uh, 6.30 p.m. both nights. There is free parking right across the street from the downtown conference center. So, uh, and it's being offered virtually. So it's not only in person. If you'd rather attend via Zoom, you can attend virtually. So I would love to see you there either in person or online. When we come back, we're going to have more with Lynn Faust. She is the Firefly Queen. So we're going to talk a little, we've been talking about the light show and all this stuff. But the reality is you don't have to go to Elkmont among all those thousands of people. There are other ways if you just go right out your back door. So when we come back, we're going to have more with Lynn. Stay tuned to more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every Saturday, both at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. So you can catch us both times. If you if you hear a bit in the, the 9 o'clock hour, it's just going to replay in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, you can also check us out online. Go to broganfinancial.com. Click on radio, and you can listen to our podcasts of our past shows, our dollars and cents segments. You know, our whole goal with everything we do here and in my practice at Brogan Financial is to give you great information and inform you so that you can make prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Now, one of the great things we have right here in East Tennessee is the fireflies and this synchronous light show that they have every year in usually around late May, early June. We're visiting with Lynn Faust about this. She is a consultant for firefly studies with state agencies, universities, and other national parks across the United States. And, Lynn, and, and you grew up in Elkmont, of course. Um, mm-hmm. what, what is, let's just break it down, you know, even in our own community, like in our own house and backyard, what is the best way to view fireflies? Do you need to wait until it, does it need to be completely dark? Is dusk a good time? Well, you get back to how many species we have. Certain species uh, the Big Dippers in particular is the one probably we caught as, as children. Uh, they are dusk active, meaning they do their whole thing before it's completely dark. And by the time it's dark, that species has quit and it has been replaced by one that only flashes when it's totally dark. So, and we even have daytime fireflies and they're, I think they're wonderful, but they're not as mesmerizing and most of those don't flash they look like a a lightning bug but they don't flash they've lost their flashes through the eons um and so depend here are a few 
things I suggest, if you have a nice dark place where you've seen them before, then that's where you want to go back to. And I always stress to people, whether you're at Grandma's Farm or Imes Park or, you know, wherever you are, go in the daytime first and sort of look at where you're going to be walking in the dark because I don't want anybody to fall and break their leg or get lost or turned around or something. Um, but if you know where you're going to be, take a lawn chair and sit it there, and then once it's time, just go sit in it and don't look at your cell phone because yes. your cell phone Amen. It will, it will ruin your night vision, and I'm as guilty as anyone. You know, we're all sort of addicted to them. Yeah, Luckily, in the Smokies, you don't have a you know you don't have a cell signal in Elmont, so people can't do it up there. But it will blind you, particularly the older you are. Uh, it takes your eyes up to four to five minutes to readapt to the darkness. Um, the kids can kind of get away with it a little better because their eyes readapt quicker. But just be in the dark, and you'll start seeing so many things. Um, I think that's a great word. You know, sometimes yeah. to, to bring a, an analogy there, well, not an analogy, but a similar thing is that we go outside in our backyard, and we're out here in Blunt County in Louisville, and, mm-hmm. and we'll go out at night, especially on clear nights, and we just love to look at the stars, and we like astronomy, and we have a great telescope. Man, you look at your phone oh, for 30 You look at your phone for 30 oh. seconds. I mean, you, <laughs> it's like it, you, you've, you've changed the entire view. Exactly, exactly. Plus, you want to be in the moment. Yeah, you want to be in the moment because you're missing it, and it's something our lives lack. You know, we're all so busy and moving from one activity to the next. But Blount County, all of Knoxville, but I think your listeners might want to know this. I worked with uh, Netflix uh, in 2019. We never went to the Smokies. We filmed everything in Blount County. And uh, so, again, there are um, wonderful displays. We did the Blue Ghosts, which now, what did you, you have what my did book, you, I have old chapter Netflix, on the Blue Ghosts. What did Netflix put out on that? Is there something we can find on um, Netflix? Like, what would we search for? Oh, it's a wonderful series. Oh, man, I'm going blank now. I mean, if we um, punched in Fireflies, would it pull up? Yes, yes. And it premiered in... Uh, January of 2020, and the the reason I'm hesitating, I worked with BBC and Netflix. They both came out with six-part series, and they both premiered the same week. And they both have names like Dark on Earth or Light in the Dark. And I'm going blank. I wish I'd have written it down. But it it was Netflix, and it's really a good series. And and so it was filmed right there in Blount County. I and, absolutely uh, want to check then, that out. Hey, hey, and, Lynn, and we're we about actually out. feature two species. Okay, Lynn, we're about out of time. How can people get your book, Fireflies, okay. Glowworms, and Lightning Bugs, or find out more about you? Uh, it's on Amazon or any of the other booksellers. It's uh, published by University of Georgia Press, but frankly, people can get it easier from Amazon and faster. And it's yeah, Fireflies. Glowworms and lightning bugs, Lynn Faust, and it covers every species we have. So if you get it and you're in East Tennessee, they're all going to be in there. There's That's a flash cool. chart in the beginning, kind of the Morse code of the different species that helps orient you. And uh, yeah, and so just get out there and enjoy, and just get where it's dark. You know, that's what's important. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for time taking time out of your schedule, all the things that you do, and 
just joining us right here in Knoxville to share with us uh, these great testimonies. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you, Jim. Good talking to you. Yes, ma'am. That's Lynn Faust. We've been talking about nature because greater nature provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.